Welcome to a very special episode of Talking Devs, the podcast where we talk about the show Devs on FX on Hulu. And this episode, we're going to be doing a mailbag. So we're going to have some listener uh, voicemails, and we also have some emails uh, that we get sent in from from our uh, fans and listeners. So we really appreciate that. And today we'll be covering content from the show uh, from episodes one through six. So spoiler alert on that. Uh, and as always, I'll be having uh, Jimmy joining me. How are you doing, Jimmy? Doing good. Glad to be back. How are you? Doing well. Yeah, no, I'm excited for this episode. Just a little different from the last episode where we did more of an instant take approach, which was also new for us, where we hopped on right after the episode finished uh, since it airs 9 p.m. Pacific time on Wednesday. So we, uh, with our uh, special guest, Micah, we appreciate him joining us. We chatted uh, just an instant take on the on last week's show. And now we're going to do, yeah, cover some cover some viewer uh, voicemails. Um, I think the first one we're going to do, uh, you know, I think spoke to very similar to how we felt about the episode. But I don't know, James, you want to give a little context and kick off the first first voicemail we've got? Yeah, I think initially when we hopped on uh, the pod right after watching the show, um, our initial thoughts were, they kind of lean more on the negative side, but I think with a few extra days to reflect, um, my opinion at least has changed. I think this voicemail kind of reflects a lot of our uh, more updated opinions on the episode. Yep, no, so, totally agree. And yeah, let's uh, let's hear it and we'll we'll kind of dive in after that. Yeah, so our first voicemail comes from, he didn't leave a name, but I believe he's from the 660. So someone from Missouri, this is what he had to say. Hey, I was impatient with the determinism discussion also, and I'm sure there's a lot of us who have explored these questions who found it stultifying to sit through. But I also tried to temper that by realizing that there are going to be some people watching that, maybe a lot of people watching it, who have literally never thought about any of this before, and they probably needed to have that spelled out, like everything happens for a reason, not the spiritual version of that, but the literal deterministic reason for it. So I'm okay with having some training wheels on there if the price, or if that's the price that we have to pay for having some science fiction that explores some deep philosophical issues. But I do still wonder what if she doesn't cross her arms? What if Lily refuses to go to the Dev's facility, you know, how does knowing about this stuff in advance affect the deterministic tram lines? Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Take it easy. I think he raises a lot of good points. I think up to episode six, the show hinted at a lot of stuff, um, but it didn't really reveal anything. So for people like him and you and I who are like, after an episode, we're on Reddit, we're, we're looking up theories, we're trying to research as much as we want as we can about this, like... We already at our at this point have like convinced ourselves of a lot of things. So when an episode when episode six comes along, we're like, okay, well, you know, I've heard that. But I think to the common viewer, you know, that that episode did shed a light on a lot of things that Devs was doing up to that point, which I think was very illuminating for a lot of uh, viewers. Yep. No, I 100% agree. I think like I was coming out of that episode being someone like you say. Uh, looking things up, like Googling the von Neumann-Wigner and the Copenhagen interpretations, doing research for the show. And uh, yeah, it was helpful to 
to take a step back, I thought this was a good voicemail and I had some similar uh, thoughts kind of after we recorded the last episode and, you know, again, yeah, not everyone was kind of uh, doing as much research. And so I definitely see how that scene could add, add a lot of value for folks um, who are kind of more casual viewers as I am for most all other shows. Um, so, and I think the, uh, the caller left a really good point about, Hey, like, you know, even if it is repetitive for some people who are following more closely or have done research, at least it's great that they're making sure that uh, everyone can kind of uh, understand a little better what's going on so that we can have more, you know, sci-fi or uh, whatever you want to call this genre that uh, kind of tackles these deeper questions versus more just surface level stuff. So uh, yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that voicemail. Appreciate uh, him calling in and leaving that message. And yeah, it did kind of click with how I felt after we recorded the podcast in terms of like, okay, like I can see how we were a little disappointed because we uh, felt like we knew some of the stuff going in um, and it felt a bit rehashed, but you know, totally understand why they did it. Uh, I think I was, you know, had been hoping for more kind of twists and turns, but uh, definitely see the reason they did it and glad that they did uh, give me a new, a new perspective on the episode. I think it also grounds the narrative a little bit more because I think up to this point, there had been so many theories thrown out in terms of, are we talking about time travel? Are we talking mm. about bringing someone back to life? But if we want to take Katie for her word or for her explanation to Lily, like literally this is just being able to simulate the past and simulate the future. There's, there's not a lot. I mean, she didn't mention anything about time travel or jumping universes or anything of that nature. So I think from the narrative perspective, I think this show kind of just wanted to kind of get everyone back on like a common ground. Yep. No, totally agree. I think that makes that's a, totally why they did it. So I think that's, it's good. They did. Um, um, but while we're talking about episode six, yeah. I did want to bring up a few kind of just odds and ends, um, nothing too significant, but something, some points that I wrote down in my initial notes that we didn't really get to talk about in our last pod. Um, first one being, did you notice the name of the company that James yes. said he worked for? Dude, I had that down in my notes. I, I was, so <laughs> it was David Wallace, right? Yeah. Uh, which sounded so familiar for me and I had to Google it. And then I was like, I know this is where I thought it was from. Uh, you want to say where it's from since it's in your, uh, since you brought well, it I know up. it's a character from the office, but I don't <laughs> yeah. remember his exact role in the office. So he was the CFO of Dunder Mifflin. Okay. The one kind of, he had glasses on like kind of middle-aged white guy, kind of very serious guy who was helping decide the fate in terms of which branches got closed. Uh, so you, if you look him up, you'll definitely recognize him. But it was weird yeah. how much, that's so funny. We didn't even get to talk about that in the last episode because there was so much stuff we were chatting on. But I had that in my notes too. Uh, that's really funny. I don't know. Plus what an odd there. name for a tech company, right? Like The name of a guy? Like, yeah, that's not really yeah. done these days. Right? It's not like it was a law firm or anything that James yeah. was working for, right? That was, that was odd. I would be curious to know if there's something there. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't think there's anything more to that but yeah, it was just kind yeah. of funny because when he said it i was just like wait a minute that's it kind of took me out of the show for <laughs> yeah, a little bit oh i paused it and googled it uh, <laughs> all right uh, number two uh of the odds and ends so when fourth and jamie are playing frisbee jamie mentioned something about frisbee where forrest responded what you haven't seen the olympics essentially suggesting that in that world 
frisbee is an Olympic sport. Mm. Um, which last I checked, frisbee is not an Olympic sport. I know there was talks of ultimate frisbee being, I think, in maybe the Paris Olympics that are coming up, but I don't think that got approved. So something was a little odd there. I don't. Once again, I don't think it means anything in the grander scheme of things, but just something I noticed. Yeah, it looks like it. It has been recognized by the IOC. Obviously, not. It's not an uh, official competition in the Olympics. Also, yeah, I guess we haven't. I don't know what year it is. Like, I, I'm trying to think if there have been any uh, things. There's probably some terminology, TV terminology for something that kind of denotes to you what year it is. But I haven't seen anything uh, that would say it's 2020 or 2025 or anything. Yeah. Uh, I mean, the world has looked similar to our world, right? There, yeah. We haven't seen any, like, futuristic looking yeah. cars or, you know, they're using iPhones. Yeah, that's true. Um, their encryption tech or their cryptography 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 <laughs> techniques are pretty uh uh ancient as, as as evidenced by lily trying to just randomly brute force guess <laughs> russian passwords yep. Yep. <laughs> so yeah that's true we are somewhere i think in our current timeline yeah no but that's a good point yeah maybe this is supposed to be a different world then It'd be interesting yeah um and then the last odds and ends i have um or had was this is more a generic question but why has all the focus been so far on just Forrest's um, daughter? Like, mm. why have we not talked about his wife at all? Because, I mean, she was in the car crash as well. I mean, granted, we don't, I don't think we have confirmation that she died in that car crash. Um, but why is Forrest so obsessed with his daughter? And why has the wife not been mentioned whatsoever? Interesting. That's, I've wondered that too. Um, I guess a few things would be, uh, one thing would be like as the symbol for the company, I feel like having a young kid, you know, taken out of, uh, you know, her life taken at such a young age, maybe provides like a more, uh, inspiring symbol potentially. Um, but then kind of outside of that kind of corporate angle, personal, like in a personal, uh, relationship side, like maybe there's stuff about the relationship we don't know, um, you know, uh, that, Forrest and his wife had maybe the relationship wasn't as great. Although on those flashback scene scenes the, seems the uh, scene seems to be fine. Uh, and then also, you know, with the whole relationship he has with Katie now, uh, that puts it in kind of a weirder place, I think. Right. Whereas if he were still like single and uh, longing for his wife and missing her, now it's a little different that he's in this new in like relationship with Katie. Yeah. I just thought it was odd that the wife is just not yeah, mentioned at all. I totally, I, I, I could see something coming up maybe in the next two episodes to, to at least address that, but also potentially not. But uh, I think it's a good, it's a really good question. I'm not sure. All right. Well, that, that was all my odds and ends. Thanks to Micah for that segment. Cool. Um, yeah. Then I think we had some, uh, uh, some more questions to handle. Yeah. We had a, we had a voicemail from um, loyal listener, Matt. Um, he had a few questions, just more generic about the show in general and, and its storylines. Um, I broke it down into four different segments, so we'll just tackle each one one by one. Here's the first one. Hey, guys. Uh, my name is Matt. Uh, love the podcast and love the show, Devs. So I have a few questions, and they're about just the show overall. Okay, so with Amaya and... Forrest? Is that the other thing? So we assume he wants to go back in time and be with his real life 
alive daughter who's died. So does he want to go back in time? Does he want to bring her back to live with him in the present? Um, just kind of like what is his practical goal there? Because he seems very intent on actually making it happen. It's not just theoretical. Yeah. So this is definitely one of the overarching questions of the show. I think it's a really, a really good one. Um, so my, my personal take on it is that at least the show seems to be framing things around almost how Forrest is more concerned with potentially proving that it's you know not his fault or that we live in this uh, deterministic world where you know he kind of didn't have the choice to make that phone call that that led to the distraction and his wife and daughter being killed. Um, obviously, I think I think with the the beginning of this last episode where they show the flashback uh, of him playing with his wife and his daughter, that seems to also present the motive of he wants to go back to this uh, life where he was happy and um, around his loving family. But but to me, at least, like it seems like at least the show is presenting it that he cares more about solving this question of whether it was really, quote, his fault or if he had any anything to do with it. Um, but, but what do you think? Yeah, I think for Forrest, it's pretty binary. He just wants to know if he's innocent or guilty in, uh, in Amaya's death, right? Yep. I, think, I think they said it best in episode five. They, they're, they're trying to prove um, if determinism is true. And if it is, then Forrest is innocent. If determinism is false, then that means Forrest could have had a choice in affecting the result um, or the outcome of that crash. So if determinism is false, he's guilty. I think, I think that's pretty much it for Forrest at this point. I don't think there's any thing beyond that in terms of like, he wants to bring her back to life or anything. He's just trying to absolve this guilt he's had for the past X number of years that Amaya has been dead. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. That I, I agree with that. And for Matt's question, like, yeah, I, I'm sure there is some, uh, some aspect of it where he maybe wants to kind of be with his daughter. Although, you know, remember the scene in, you know, maybe that was like episode three or four, where even if she has a few hairs on her head different from, from the Amaya that he knew, it wouldn't be, be his actual Amaya. So, yeah. uh, well, here's, here's yeah. my question. Yep. What, let's say he does want to quote unquote be with his daughter. What does that mean in this world? Cause I, in, in my opinion, they don't have the ability to bring anyone to life. They don't have the ability to time travel. They only have the ability to have a projection of someone. So at least I guess if I'm going to answer my own question, him being with his daughter just means that he has a 100% real replication of his daughter in this projection. And him being with her is just, you know, watching her from this, from the devs facility. I don't know if you have a different opinion, but that, that is how I interpret yeah. Forrest being with Amaya. Yeah, I think I I agree. The one the one thing that keeps coming up to me is the the multiple scenes now of them bringing this mouse like kind of quote back to life. It's not it doesn't seem to, I can't tell if it's the mouse in their actual universe or if it's in their simulation that the or their projection that the mouse is coming back to life. Um, but could Forrest be in a world where he's able to at least interact with what maybe it's not his actual daughter or someone brought back to life, but in some sort of simulation where he can interact with, with Amaya in that regard, like, does he lock himself away in the simulation in this 
simulated world with her and maybe his wife too. Like I could see him doing that potentially, right? But do you think they could somehow transfer his consciousness into this simulation? Mm. Is that what you're suggesting? No, I, no, maybe they could. I was thinking more like you can, like you create the simulation of, you know, or they have this this mouse that they quote bring back to life or that's in a simulation. So maybe he can, like, could they have some simulation of his daughter in a world where she did wasn't in the car crash and maybe he can't actually like connect with her or interact with her, but he could see how her life potentially played out. I don't know. Like I could see him uh, just locking himself up and that's all he kind of cares about and becoming a recluse. And uh, yeah. Well, but, going back to what you said about the rat, right? They, they did show the rat coming to life, whether that's them actually resurrecting the rat or them resurrecting the rat in a simulated universe. So I guess question one for me is, can you replicate someone who's alive? Like, can you replicate Forrest in the same world where you're replicating Amaya? And if not, would Forrest have to die in this real world for them to be able to replicate him in the simulation that they're replicating Amaya? So in that, in that sense, they are now together. I see, interesting. Yeah, or, or like just overthinking it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there's a lot of possibilities, like stuff still unanswered. So yeah, I mean, I know ten minutes ago I just said there's no resurrecting anyone, <laughs> yeah, but like you, uh, that's what this show does it. to me. Yeah, it does. Uh, okay, cool. Well, uh, good, good part one of uh, of Matt's uh, question. Do you want to queue up the next one? All right, here it is. Um, okay, so with uh, Sergey, why did they have to kill him if they already knew? ahead of time that he was a Russian spy, couldn't they have just handed him over to the CIA? I mean, he still would have had a terrible fate either way, and then Dev doesn't have to be murderers. It just didn't seem, like, obviously Devs are super smart people, so it just didn't seem to match. But I can also understand the argument of that they're so crazy focused that there's no middle ground that they'll kill you. Cool. Um... I can I can take part of this. So right. in terms of where like why they didn't kind of hand him over to the CIA, my take is that they want to keep this as secretive as possible. You know, in episode I think three, where you had the the senator come and visit and they you know wanted to I think keep the government uh, their hands off of this as much as possible. So I don't think you want to open yourself up to, hey, why why would the Russians feel the need to send a spy over here to the CIA? Then the CIA wants to start poking around. And, you know, once they find out what's going on here, like that's, that's pretty scary to imagine what, what, uh, what's well, already scary to have, uh, some tech billionaire with this, uh, technology, but then what the government could potentially do with the two is also, um, pretty mind blowing and scary. So that, that's my take on that. And in terms of the, why did, did they have to kill him? I think this overlaps a bit and is a good question with, uh, with, like Sydney's question from last week. So what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I think this goes back to what I was saying earlier about Forrest wanting to prove his innocence. So I think they, prior to killing Sergey, they already looked into the future and they saw that these are the sequence of events that have to happen. And so Forrest, who wants to believe that determinism is true no matter what, is too afraid of veering from what mm -hmm. they already saw. Like if they don't kill Sergey, that 
then prove determinism is false and that means Forrest is guilty. So I think they already looked in the future, they saw this is what has to happen and they do not even want to risk veering from that projection because at any moment, if they veer off from it, then that essentially proves all of um, Forrest's theories wrong. Yep, no, totally couldn't agree more. And, and I think we'll, we'll get into this, into this next question, but also we have the, the setup from the last episode where 21 hours from now, uh, also would like to call out that that's a Fibonacci sequence number, which, uh, I'd written, I'd forgotten, uh, to call out in the last episode. What um, number in the sequence is it? Oh gosh. Seven. Maybe I actually, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to take your word for it. Look at that. What is it? Zero, one, one, two, three, five, eight. Oh, shit. 13, <laughs> 21, 34, 55, 89, and then I'm to the stop. But um, all right. Each episode, I'll try and add one more one more number onto the, onto the list. Good thing um, we only have two episodes left. <laughs> um, but yeah, so I think and this leads into what, yeah, again, I think Matt will talk about next. But in terms of Lily and this 21-hour uh, deadline where we're going to see where basically the uh, static happens on the projection uh, and she's supposed to go into the depth facility, but, um, but yeah. Do you have any new theories about the static? I don't know. Like it, clearly it's some sort of weird inflection point and apparent, I guess the, they can't look past that with given the projection. So I'm thinking, I'm wondering if it's like, maybe there's going to be some tough choice Lily has to make and we haven't, it hasn't been decided yet or, the, the projection doesn't know what she's going to do. Like, I feel like it could be a, she has to save Jamie or shut down devs or something. It's going to be some sort of tough uh, existential, existential choice that she's going to have to make. And the, the projection isn't able to, to figure out what she's going to do. That's my take. Uh, yeah, I've seen a lot of theories online about how people keep saying, oh, it's like the machine being broken or something like crashes. But in my opinion, the machine does not need to be present during the time that it's trying to project, right? Uh, I, I mean, if it doesn't exist past point A, it should still be able to project something happening past that point. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but I did read this theory um, that I kind of liked, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to see if I remember what exactly said. But basically, it was it was hypothesizing that what we're watching right now is. Lily watching a simulation of herself. Hmm. And when she arrives at devs, um, she is now watching devs trying to run an additional simulation, which suddenly the computational power needed to do that overpowers the system and it essentially reboots the initial simulation. You get what I'm trying to say? I think so. Yeah, no, I like that. So like, interesting. And so we're kind of at a, there will be a branch 21 hours from now but she's yeah. this right. This world we're seeing right now is a simulation she's watching, and yeah, yeah, we'll see. Or right, why don't you uh, why don't you kick off the next question because I think that leads into to this All this right. topic too. For Lily, what is her long term goal and play here? I mean, I know she wants revenge and to take down devs, but that's like that's like me saying I'm going to take down my Google or something, you know? Because she seems very the type who would plan things out and know what's the smart play. So I'm like, what is her actual play? Because it doesn't seem that she wants to, like, get her job back or use it to leverage to advance her career. 
So it's like, what is the same thing with her and Forrest, with Forrest and Amaya? It's like, what is the practical goal? Um, so the, one thing is, I think it seemed going into the last episode, a lot of her goal or what she was trying to get out of it was was what happened with Sergey, right? And why they did what they did. Um, and it seems like in her discussion with Katie, she got some of those answers, right? Um, yeah. So I'm wondering, like, yeah, again, now, like, what is her motivating factor from her? Is it here? Is it to get back at devs? Like, does she not think it's right what's happened? So she wants to try and shut it down? Um, yeah, I feel like every time a question comes up in terms of what Lily's motivations are, I, I go back to that scene that she had with her father. Yeah, where he said I that she's too. always thinking three steps ahead. And mm -hmm. I, once again, I think the show is trying to tell us that we're not in tune with what Lily's true motivations are like, we're, we're at least two or three steps at behind of what, what she's trying to accomplish or discover or, or do. So up to this point, it's just been like, oh, she's trying to solve the mystery of what happened to Sergey. But I think there are some other motivations that we are unclear of at this point. And I, I honestly don't have any guesses as to what those may be right now. Interesting. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Cause as much as we, you know, especially in the last episode or our last episode of the podcast, uh, weren't super thrilled with kind of Lily as a protagonist. I will say the scene where she was faking her uh, psychosis was one of the best ones uh, in the show. And that did have that uh, angle of, you know, her being three steps ahead, uh, how she tricked Kenton. So I thought that was, that was great. And if they, if they are able to pull something out where, where there's some, uh, grand scheme that Lily has, uh, I, I would be uh, excited about that and impressed. Um, Remind me if you remember, did was there a mention of any dead family members in Lily's family? So there's the implication, right, that her dad has died. Um, and, you know, as you mentioned, the scenes were of her playing go with him. Anyway, my, my point is, I wonder if somehow she herself is trying to use the devs, yep. gain access yeah. to the devs project to bring back someone in her life. Interesting. Just play, maybe the, the show ends with her playing one last game of Go with her dad or something. I'll be yeah. in a simulator. Uh, interesting. I think that's also another reason I like the theory that we're watching a Lily simulation, because that, that could explain kind of the robotic nature of her hmm mannerisms so far mm -hmm. i know a lot of people have been pointing out that there seems to be something off about the way her character is being portrayed yeah and it could possibly be explained by the fact that this is not the real world we're watching yeah yeah, yeah that's fair it might also explain why jamie's such a puppy dog <laughs> your favorite line to bring up yep <laughs> all right i think we have one more question from matt for dev let's say the plan is to for the dev's machine finally work and it's the real Maya not just like a hair or two different it's the real Maya let's say Forrest brings her back to life or is able to travel back in time to be with her let's say Forrest is finally satisfied with that what happens next like I they wouldn't shut the devs program down so it's like do they tell the world about that I don't think so so I've just always thought about what everyone thinks the plan is after this, almost if they pull off this impossible task. Yeah, I think to me, the wild card in it is Katie, right? So I could see Forrest, as we talked about a little earlier, like just kind of, uh, you know, 
delving into this world where he has this connection with the Maya, whether it's real, whether it's a simulation, projection, et cetera, and just walling himself off. And that's all he cares about. Um, whereas Katie, it's really hard to get a read on what she cares about. It does seem like she kind of like Forrest cares a lot about the kind of implications in terms of like what the actual real, like which interpretation, be it von Neumann, Copenhagen, like whatever, in term, or at least relative to determinism. She has her Everett interpretation that uh, she champions. So I think in one part, she really cares about the scientific uh, aspect of this. Um, but I also don't know what her motivation would be because she seems to be clearly the one other than Forrest who would be able to, who would kind of have the uh, unbridled access to this technology and could do with it whatever she wants. Yeah, it's interesting because in this most recent episode, the majority of the focus was placed on Katie explaining what's going yep. on with Devs, right? Forrest was essentially a secondary character in this episode. So it seems to be that separate from Forrest's uh, goals, Katie is the, real, is the one really pulling the strings behind the scenes of Devs now. And we really don't know what she's trying to accomplish because I don't think she really cares whether Forrest is innocent or guilty in Amaya's death. Um, clearly, she has investment in the Devs project for something other than that. And I guess, you know, we have two episodes to find out what that is. But I, I think now she is the true kind of, for, for lack of a better term, antagonist in this show. Yeah. Um, and it'll be, we'll see within the next two episodes what her, what her goals are. Yep. And then I also think that Stuart and Lyndon are going to have their moment at some point, right? Like probably, you know, somehow break into the devs facility. And I don't know, maybe they're the ones who break the, the main computer aspect but, or uh, mechanism. But that, that seems like a little too, too obvious and easy. But I do think that they are going to be back in the mix at some point. I agree. Here's, here's a crazy theory I just thought of. And I don't know if it relates to anything we've talked about so far. Um, but going back to episode, I think it was five, where we see Katie in the classroom and we see that she's not a fan of the von Neumann Wigner interpretation. Yeah, 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 you got it. And that, and that was the interpretation that said that in like what the two slit experiment, the presence of human consciousness modifies the behavior of the photon. So because yeah. you're observing it, it changes. So. What if this series or what if an episode ends with the fact that Forrest observing the car crash in the projection is what causes the car crash to take Whoa. place? Oh, oh, interesting. Right, so his evidence or his observation of this moment in time alters the behavior of that moment and thus the car crash happens Got and it. kills his wife and daughter. Got it. And it is essentially... I don't know. I'm sure there's a term for it, but it essentially is just in a loop of some sort. Yeah. No. You, then you kind of get into some time travel, like kind of paradoxes and yeah. stuff. But uh, that's kind of cool. I like that. But yeah, part of that is like Katie's obviously seems to be the main one who's looking, actually using the uh, projection to look into the future. So you know, the I wonder if her consciousness of seeing what's in the future can also kind of mess with with what's happening, uh, what will happen. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm really interested to see how things play out with Katie, with Forrest, Lily, you know, I mean, hopefully there's some, uh, something 
some more depth that we haven't tapped into yet that gets brought to the table, like we've talked about. I think that would be great. Uh, I know you care about Jamie and what happens to him. He he has to die. Messed up. So I know I, I know I said I wasn't going to be negative, but I th- Lily's the one that spurned him, right? So yeah. he cannot fall back into her hands that easily just because yeah. one her boyfriend's dead and two she found out he's a Russian spy. Like that's not a valid reason to just immediately fall back into the arms of your ex boyfriend, especially one that you clearly had reasons you wanted to break up with in the first yeah. place. No, that's fair. And one one other thing. I want to bring up in that space is I think they're one of the scenes Jamie basically kind of accuses her of getting with Sergey before they actually broke up. But it in that scene where they're at the Amaya campus and Sergey first starts flirting with Lily, it does seem pretty clear to me that she did in fact break up with Jamie before Sergey started, you know, making any sort of move. It doesn't seem like his relationship with Lily gained him any advantage in terms of what his goals were in terms of getting yeah. into the devs project. Yeah. yeah, no, totally agree. Okay, well, I think that's our last uh, our viewer uh, voicemail we're going to play today, right? Yep, that was it. Awesome. Well, thank you, Matt. Uh, great questions. Thank you to our anonymous caller from potentially Missouri, given his uh, his area code. Uh, this was great. I, I actually really enjoyed this. I think it was good to check back in before, before the next episode, giving us a little time to uh, kind of digest the previous episode. I, I think the instant talk is, is fun too, because you get the kind of emotion of just watching a show. Uh, but I, I do think there's value in having time to, to kind of reflect. Um, so I'm glad we did this mailbox, mailbox mailbag episode. Uh, and then, yeah, we, uh, we have a new episode coming up Wednesday night, Pacific time. So we'll probably, uh, I'm not sure exactly when we'll record, but we'll definitely be uh, doing an episode for, or doing a podcast for episode seven. Yeah, and if anyone else wants to uh, send an email or leave a voicemail for us, um, here's the contact info. It's either talkingdevs at gmail.com or the voicemail line is 818-860-0421. If you call it, it goes directly to the voicemail. It's not like Scott and I will randomly just pick up and be like, hello. Um, So yeah, give it a call if you have a question that you want us to see us discuss on this pod. Awesome. Well, thanks, Jimmy. Appreciate it. Uh, This was fun. And thanks to our listeners and uh, callers. Uh, Please keep those emails and calls coming. It's a lot of fun to to hear you guys uh, and your enthusiasm for the show. Uh, And we will catch you next week. (laughs) 